I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Ezekiel chapters 28 through 31. This is the new King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. We begin today with a continuation of the prophecy against Tyre. The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, Son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, Thus says the Lord God, Because your heart is lifted up, and you say, I am a God, I sit in the seat of gods in the midst of the seas, yet you are a man and not a God. Though you set your heart as the heart of a God, behold, you are wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that can be hidden from you. With your wisdom and your understanding you have gained riches for yourself, and gathered gold and silver into your treasuries. By your great wisdom and trade you have increased your riches, and your heart is lifted up because of your riches. Therefore thus says the Lord God, because you have set your heart as the heart of a God, behold, therefore I will bring strangers against you, the most terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom, and defile your splendor. They shall throw you down into the pit, and you shall die the death of the slain in the midst of the seas." Will you still say before him who slays you, I am a God? But you shall be a man and not a God in the hand of him who slays you. But you shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of aliens. For I have spoken, says the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Sire and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers, I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created." Till iniquity was found in you by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore I brought fire from your midst, it devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth, in the sight of all who saw you. All who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror, and shall be no more forever. As I mentioned, this chapter is a continuation of a prophecy against the city of Tyre that began in Ezekiel chapter 26. There was a real city called Tyre just north of Israel with a real king fighting off the Babylonians just like everyone else in the area. Tyre was a much coveted target of Babylon in that region. It was a magnificent city built in two distinct sections, part on an island one half mile off the mainland in the Mediterranean Sea 
and the other part on the mainland. Portions of the walls surrounding the city were as high as 150 feet. According to Josephus, the siege on Tyre by Babylon lasted for 13 years until around 573 B.C. The result of this siege is not universally agreed upon. Some maintain that Nebuchadnezzar was successful and that the king of Tyre was permitted to stay, but as a vassal king of the Babylonian Empire. Nebuchadnezzar himself, it is said, personally supervised the siege for the entire duration. Others have maintained that this particular campaign was not successful, but that a later one was. The wording of Ezekiel 29.18 seems to indicate that Nebuchadnezzar defeated Tyre, but that the spoils of battle were less than expected, a disappointing end to a long siege. The problem with this chapter is that verses 11 through 19 sound, well, like Ezekiel might be talking about uh, Satan. Hello, Satan. Are you there? The big difficulty with that notion is that he's definitely prophesying about the king of Tyre, a real city with a real king. One possibility may be that Ezekiel is likening the king of Tyre to Satan in the garden with his pride, success, riches, and so forth. Satan simply cannot be found in this entire prophecy against Tyre and its king. However, verses 13 through 16, if taken literally and not figuratively, couldn't be a description per se of a human being. So it is understandable that some have conjectured that Ezekiel may very well be describing Satan himself, comparing those superiority attitudes of Satan leading up to his fall from God's favor to those of the king of Tyre leading up to the fall of his literal kingdom on earth. On the other hand, as several commentators have pointed out, the language of verses 13 through 16 could have been meaningful, colorful figures of speech used in that day to describe that level of lavishness. The bottom line is this. At the end of the discussion, I don't feel comfortable myself concluding that Satan or a doctrine of Satan is included in this prophecy by Ezekiel. Then we have a judgment against Sidon in Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 20 through 23. Verse 20. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face toward Sidon, and prophesy against her, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Sidon, I will be glorified in your midst, and they shall know that I am the Lord, when I execute judgments in her, and am hallowed in her. For I will send pestilence upon her, and blood in her streets. The wounded shall be judged in her midst by the sword against her on every side. Then they shall know that I am the Lord." Well, then the prophet turns to Tyre's trading partner, Sidon. They're just about 20 miles up the coast with the prophecy concerning Sidon's demise. In chapter 28, verses 24 through 26, we find a return to the homeland by Israel. Verse 24, And there shall no longer be a pricking briar or a painful thorn for the house of Israel from among all who are around them, who despise them, then they shall know that I am the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God, when I have gathered the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they are scattered and am hallowed in them in the sight of the Gentiles, then they will dwell in their own land, which I gave to my servant Jacob. And they will dwell safely there, build houses and plant vineyards. Yes, they will dwell securely when I execute judgments on all those around them who despise them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord their God." 
We see in verse 24 that the nations surrounding Israel will no longer have a basis for joy over Israel's demise, inasmuch as they will have fallen to the Babylonians as well. Finally, verses 25 and 26 make reference to the return of Israel to their homeland. It's difficult to put this prophecy of the return to the land into an absolute context. I mean, does this prophecy point to the return to the land under Cyrus beginning in 535 B.C., or is it a reference to the yet future millennium? The judgment mentioned here could be a reference to the fall of Tyre, Sidon, and other surrounding nations at the hand of the Babylonians, rather than the judgment of Christ at the second coming. There's really no way to know which of the two possible periods of time is referenced here. Then we have in chapter 29, the first 16 verses, a prophecy against Egypt, verse 1. In the tenth year and the tenth month, on the twelfth day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and prophesy against him and against all Egypt. Speak and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Pharaoh, king of Egypt, O great monster who lies in the midst of his rivers, who has said, My river is my own, I have made it for myself. But I will put hooks in your jaws and cause the fish of your rivers to stick to your scales. I will bring you up out of the midst of your rivers, and all the fish in your rivers will stick to your scales. I will leave you in the wilderness, you and all the fish of your rivers. You shall fall on the open field. You shall not be picked up or gathered. I have given you as food to the beast of the field and to the birds of the heavens. Then all the inhabitants of Egypt shall know that I am the Lord, because they have been a staff of reed to the house of Israel." When they took hold of you with the hand, you broke and tore all their shoulders. When they leaned on you, you broke and made all their backs quiver. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Surely I will bring a sword upon you and cut off from you man and beast. And the land of Egypt shall become desolate and waste. Then they will know that I am the Lord, because he said, The river is mine, and I have made it. Indeed, therefore, I am against you and against your rivers. I will make the land of Egypt utterly waste and desolate from Migdal to Syene, as far as the border of Ethiopia. Neither foot of man shall pass through it, nor foot of beast pass through it, and it shall be uninhabited forty years. I will make the land of Egypt desolate in the midst of the countries that are desolate, and among the cities that are laid waste." Her city shall be desolate forty years, and I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. Yet thus says the Lord God, At the end of forty years I will gather the Egyptians from the peoples among whom they were scattered. I will bring back the captives of Egypt and cause them to return to the land of Pathros, to the land of their origin, and they shall be a lowly kingdom." It shall be the lowliest of kingdoms. It shall never again exalt itself above the nations, for I will diminish them so that they will not rule over the nations any more. No longer shall it be the confidence of the house of Israel, but will remind them of their iniquity when they turn to follow them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord God. Now this particular oracle against Egypt was given in January 587 B.C., according to the data that's given in verse 1. Now here's um, uh, an excerpt from the Expositor's Bible commentary regarding the fall of Egypt to Babylon, and I quote, Since Nebuchadnezzar died in 562 B.C., this predicted desolation of Egypt by Nebuchadnezzar's army 
would had to have occurred before then. One fragmentary uh, Babylonian text from the Chronicles of the Chaldean King implies that Babylonia invaded Egypt around 568-567 B.C. This is corroborated by Josephus. End of quote. With Egypt falling to the Babylonians around 568 B.C., that would put their return to their land at around 528 B.C., given the 40 years of verses 11 through 13, the prophecy recorded there. No Egyptian records exist to confirm when they were able to return to the land. It is significant to note that Ezekiel prophesied that Egypt would never be a world power again as they had been in the past, and that their kingdom will be a lowly, in other words, a humble kingdom. And that's in verses 14 and 15. Then we have another prophecy against Egypt in chapter 29, beginning with verse 17, going all the way down to chapter 30, verse 19. Verse 17. And it came to pass in the 27th year in the first month, on the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, caused his army to labor strenuously against Tyre. Every head was made bald, and every shoulder rubbed raw. Yet neither he nor his army received wages from Tyre for the labor which they expended on it. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Surely I will give the land of Egypt to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He shall take away her wealth, carry off her spoil, and remove her pillage, and that will be the wages for his army." I have given him the land of Egypt for his labor, because they worked for me, says the Lord God. In that day I will cause the horn of the house of Israel to spring forth, and I will open your mouth to speak in their midst. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Now chapter 30, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, Son of man, prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord God, Wail, woe to the day, for the day is near, even the day of the Lord is near. It will be a day of clouds, the time of the Gentiles. The sword shall come upon Egypt, and great anguish shall be in Ethiopia, when the slain fall in Egypt, and they take away her wealth, and her foundations are broken down. Ethiopia, Libya, Lydia, all the mingled people, Kub, and the men of the lands who are allied shall fall with them by the sword. Thus says the Lord, those who uphold Egypt shall fall, and the pride of her power shall come down from Migdal to Syene, those within her shall fall by the sword, says the Lord God. They shall be desolate in the midst of the desolate countries, and her cities shall be in the midst of the cities that are laid waste. Then they will know that I am the Lord. When I have set a fire in Egypt, and all her helpers are destroyed. On that day messengers shall go forth from me in ships to make the careless Ethiopians afraid, and great anguish shall come upon them, as on the day of Egypt, for indeed it is coming." Thus says the Lord God, I will also make a multitude of Egypt to cease by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He and his people with him, the most terrible of the nations, shall be brought to destroy the land. They shall draw their swords against Egypt and fill the land with the slain. I will make the rivers dry and sell the land into the hand of the wicked. I will make the land waste and all that is in it by the hand of aliens. I, the Lord, have spoken." Thus says the Lord God, I will also destroy the idols and cause the images to cease from Noph. There shall no longer be princes from the land of Egypt. I will put fear in the land of Egypt. I will make Pathros desolate, set fire to Zon, and execute judgment in Noph. I will pour my fury on Sin, the 
strength of Egypt. I will cut off the multitude of Noah and set a fire in Egypt. Sin shall have great pain. No shall be split open, and no shall be in distress daily. And the young men of Avon and Pi-Beseth shall fall by the sword, and these cities shall go into captivity. At Tehophnehes the days shall also be darkened when I break the yokes of Egypt there, and her arrogant strength shall cease in her. As for her, a cloud shall cover her, and her daughters shall go into captivity. Thus I will execute judgments on Egypt. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. In chapter 29, verse 17, we get a time stamp of April 571 B.C. That's about two years after the siege of Tyre was completed. Verses 18 and 19 of chapter 29 seem to indicate that Nebuchadnezzar didn't take enough booty from Tyre to adequately pay his troops. What happened to the riches of Tyre? Could it be that the mention of Tyre and Egypt together here indicates that Tyre was able to ship off their riches to Egypt before their demise? Well, possibly. Whatever this prophecy turns on Egypt in verse 20 indicates Egypt's fall to Babylon. Verse 21 of chapter 29 is curious. What does it mean when it says, In that day I will cause the horn of the house of Israel to spring forth, and I will open your mouth to speak in their midst? Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Well, it's definitely not messianic, and Israel didn't return to the land until 535 B.C. However, the defeat of Egypt would have been a great encouragement to the exiles as they witnessed the prophecy of 587 B.C. by Ezekiel coming to fruition. That's the prophecy that we saw in Ezekiel 29, verses 1 through 16. It was a vindication of God's prophecies concerning Egypt and Israel. Into chapter 30, we see that Egypt will fall despite the assistance of its allies. Babylon will be on a roll. Verse 13 declares, There shall no longer be princes from the land of Egypt. Egypt's demise will be devastating and thorough, according to the stipulations of the prophecy of this chapter. As we continue reading in chapter 30 with verse 20 down through verse 26, we see another prophecy devoted to Egypt's total collapse. Verse 20. And it came to pass in the eleventh year in the first month, on the seventh day of the month, that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I have broken the arm of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and see, it has not been bandaged for healing, nor a splint put on it to bind it, to make it strong enough to hold a sword. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Surely I am against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and will break his arms, both the strong one and the one that was broken." and I will make the sword fall out of his hand. I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon and put my sword in his hand. But I will break Pharaoh's arms, and he will groan before him with the groanings of a mortally wounded man. Thus I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon, but the arms of Pharaoh shall fall down. They shall know that I am the Lord when I put my sword into the hand of the king of Babylon and he stretches it out against the land of Egypt. I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Well, just so there's no mistake, here's yet another prophecy given by Ezekiel in April 587 B.C., just a few months after the one in chapter 29 that ran down through chapter 30. And this one's also concerning Egypt. No improvement in their prospects are seen here. Egypt is still going to fall. It's interesting that the prophecies of Ezekiel chapter 29, beginning with verse 17 down through chapter 30, verse 19, the first one, it was given much later, but it's included in between the other two. 
the deportation and exile of Egyptians is clearly prophesied after their fall. This technique of keeping a nation conquered was used by the Babylonians and the Assyrians before them to destroy national pride by mixing different nationalities within regions that had been conquered. In Ezekiel chapter 31, Egypt is compared to Assyria, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the eleventh year in the third month, on the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, say to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his multitude, Whom are you like in your greatness? Indeed, Assyria was a cedar in Lebanon, with fine branches that shaded the forest, and of high stature. And its top was among the thick boughs. The waters made it grow, underground waters gave it height, with their rivers running around the place where it was planted." and sent out rivulets to all the trees of the field. Therefore its height was exalted above all the trees of the field. Its boughs were multiplied, and its branches became long because of the abundance of water, as it sent them out. All the birds of the heavens made their nests in its boughs. Under its branches all the beasts of the field brought forth their young, and in its shadow all great nations made their home. Thus it was beautiful in greatness and in the length of its branches." Because its roots reached to abundant waters, the cedars in the garden of God could not hide it. The fir trees were not like its boughs, and the chestnut trees were not like its branches. No tree in the garden of God was like it in beauty. I made it beautiful with a multitude of branches, so that all the trees of Eden envied it, that were planted in the garden of God. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have increased in height, and it set its top among the thick boughs, and its heart was lifted up in its height. Therefore I will deliver it into the hand of the mighty one of the nations, and he shall surely deal with it. I have driven it out for its wickedness. And aliens, the most terrible of the nations, have cut it down and left it. Its branches have fallen on the mountains and in all the valleys. Its boughs lie broken by all the rivers of the land, and all the peoples of the earth have gone from under its shadow and left it. On its ruin will remain all the birds of the heavens, and all the beasts of the field will come to its branches, so that no trees by the waters may ever exalt themselves for their height, nor set their tops among the thick boughs, that no tree which drinks water may ever be high enough to reach up to them. For they have all been delivered to death to the depths of the earth, among the children of men who go down to the pit. Thus says the Lord God, in the day when it went down to hell, I caused mourning. I covered the deep because of it. I restrained its rivers, and the great waters were held back. I caused Lebanon to mourn for it, and all the trees of the field wilted because of it. I made the nations shake at the sound of its fall when I cast it down to hell together with those who descend into the pit. And all the trees of Eden, the choice and best of Lebanon, all that drink water were comforted in the depths of the earth." They also went down to hell with it, with those slain by the sword, and those who were its strong arm dwelt in its shadows among the nations. To which of the trees in Eden will you then be likened in glory and greatness? Yet you shall be brought down with the trees of Eden to the depths of the earth. You shall lie in the midst of the uncircumcised with those slain by the sword. This is Pharaoh and all his multitude, says the Lord God." This prophecy was issued in June 587 B.C., just a couple of months after the prophecy beginning in chapter 30, verse 20. Ezekiel gives another one here concerning Egypt. The Assyrians in verse 3 are compared to the tall, strong trees of Lebanon. 
but yet they fell to the Babylonians. If an empire as great as the Assyrians could fall to Babylon, why would Egypt think they are immune? Nineveh, the seat of the Assyrian Empire, fell to the Babylonians in 609 B.C. This followed the fall of Assyria's hold as an empire 17 years earlier in 626 B.C. So here's the storyline to this chapter. So also will the Egyptians fall, and the Pharaoh will be slain. We see that in verses 17 and 18. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walker.